Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and tech people who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. Today's episode is also a special episode where I answer all of your questions uh, that you submitted uh, throughout the last uh, few weeks and months. So last week, I answered questions about myself and the podcast. This week, let's answer questions about marketing, right? Because that's what the podcast is about, isn't it? So let's get started straight away. Uh, PM is asking, what is the number one skill every modern marketer should have? specified B2B, but I, I think B2BC, B2B2C, whatever, it's the same thing. So the number one skill is empathy. I truly believe that. So you are not your customer um, and you don't know what they think. You don't know why what they do. You don't know why they do it. The basis of marketing, the foundation of marketing is to understand people so well that you can sell the right thing at the right time and for the right price and at the right place. So it's always about them. So empathy, understanding people, researching, this is by far the most valuable skill a marketer should have. Whether you're in B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. B2B, even if you're selling to businesses, you're not selling to businesses, you're selling to people inside the business. So it, it is the same thing. Pim is also asking, what is the difference between a head of growth and a head of marketing? Right. I honestly still struggle to understand the difference. I know some companies have a head of growth and a head of marketing. I know, for example, Drift has that, where you have a head of marketing and then a head of growth. But I think the line is very, very blurry. One of them would focus more on doing experimentation and testing and uh, and trying to increase uh, conversion rate from one stage to another. The other one would focus more on building the brand and like campaigns and, and long-term uh, making sure that people trust you and all of that. But I think that's where the difference stops. I do think that a good head of growth understands marketing very well and a good head of marketing understands growth. And hopefully in the future, we should see a lot of marketers that treat everything they do as experiments and that always start with people and always test what they're doing in a systematic manner. So to me, growth marketing, it's the same thing. It's, it's good marketing. Uh, and that's actually a debate we had with Ferdinand Godson on, on the podcast on how to build a marketing team. This is my view. Honestly, I'm not an expert in growth per se. I never had a role in growth. I did interview a few people there, but I do have a few, like I have experience in marketing and I, I've met a lot of marketers who do that naturally. So I'm not too sure what the difference is, to be perfectly honest. Another question. What are the most important skills for marketers in the years to come? And Pim also asked something similar. How do you keep the best marketer? How do you keep to be the best marketer? Whatever it's reading, listening, execution, etc. So to me, the fundamental here is to focus on marketing foundations. What will never change about your about marketing? What will never change is that people will always try to, to become better at what they do, to become a better version of, them, of themselves. What will never change is that businesses will always try to sell stuff and, to, and make money. Uh, what will never change is the way people think. Uh, even though, yes, we have smartphones, uh, internet is growing at a pace that is unheard of, and we have a lot of technological advancement, the way people think intrinsically is the same. We, we haven't evolved in the last 100 years uh, our DNA hasn't changed uh, at all. We are still 
the same primitive animal we used to be 10,000 years ago. So with that in mind, what can you focus on as a marketer, the things that will never change, the first principles? Um, so there are a few. Psychology, I mentioned. Psychology and behavior, understanding people, why they do certain things. Um, there's a very good book about it uh, called Sapiens, actually, that you should definitely check out. Number two, I would say storytelling. How do you tell stories? How do you tell stories that inspire people and make them uh, do something? And stories are really based on, on psychology 101. When you tell people a good story, they imagine they are in the same situation. They, they get transported to whatever world you're building for them. So storytelling, super important. Uh, data and, and analytics, I think what will never change is that we'll always have data in front of us, whatever it is, and, and it's likely that we'll get even more in the future. So how to analyze data as a whole, how to, how to make sense out of the data you have is probably not going to change. Research linked to psychology, how do you, how do you understand your market from a very high level up until the, the individuals? What, how do you understand trends? How do you understand people? How do you understand you know, what price you need to, to use, et cetera, et cetera. That all come from research uh, about customers. Uh, another one would be design, uh, not in terms of knowing how to design, but more understanding the principles behind design. That, that's also linked to behavior and psychology. You know, the, the principle behind, you know, keeping things simple so that people are not overwhelmed. The principle behind having a clear one thing for them to do. There's a few core principles that are very unlikely to change in the future that you probably need to learn as a marketer. Another one is branding and positioning. So that's extremely critical. How do you hold a specific place in your customer's mind? How do you make sure that they remember you when you ask them to think about a category such as, I don't know, uh, coffee? What is the first brand that comes to mind, right? Uh, that's branding. So, and that links to psychology. It's unlikely that people remember more than three brands about any specific category. So with that in mind, you need to learn how to make sure that people remember you. And that's branding and, copy and, uh, and positioning. Finally, copywriting. Once again, that's also linked to other things. It's unlikely to change that people are not going to stop reading things. Yes, there's a huge rise in video and audio, but still text is, is not going to go away that fast. And copywriting in the way you write things, the way you structure things is super valuable, whatever format you're using, whether it's text-based, video-based, audio-based or, or whatnot. So this is kind of the biggest pet peeves I have about those growth hackers and, and those, those people who are trying to make you think that you need to learn new skills as a marketer all the time or else you're not to be able to keep up. Yes, you need to know how to use certain tools for your job, but those tools are made so easy that you can just learn from them and then apply those foundations to them. But I would say the first and the most important thing you need to know as a marketer is those marketing foundations. If you have them, then you have a solid base where you can build a specific expertise uh, in a specific channel, a specific format, specific part of the journey, etc., etc. Emil is asking, what is most important when building something on a low budget with low time? So that's, that's what we discussed with Seth Godin. Um, you need to go super niche, more niche than you are comfortable with, and super specific. So you need to pick a problem that is extremely specific that you can answer. And then you need to enjoy what you're doing. I think those are the top three things. So when you have not a lot of time and not a lot of budgets, 
what else is going to make you keep going when things are getting tough than your belief and your vision about it. So you need to enjoy yourself. You need to do something that you really, that you like, that energizes you instead of uh, gives you less energy. And you need to go niche because if you go too broad, you're going to lose yourself. So go super niche, even beyond what you're comfortable with. Marketer is not a niche. A digital marketer is not a niche. Digital marketer in Ireland is, is starting to be niche, but it's not that much. Maybe search engine optimization specialist in Ireland, maybe you're starting to to go to go quite niche. Um, I think we're already talking about this in the in the episode how to start a marketing agency as well. So maybe select one thousand people you can you can reach that matches your exact description. That is what I mean to be super niche and start this way. Pick a specific problem they have and 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 do this. Just just get to know them so well that you can provide something that they would pay a lot of money for. That's what I would do. Edel is asking, how would you engineer your way into your ideal in-house marketing role if you're coming from a freelance marketing consultant background? So I, I think I had this exact uh, this exact path. So even though I didn't start as a as a marketing consultant, I ended up to be a marketing consultant uh, and a business owner before moving back to in-house uh, marketing role uh, for Hotjar. And what I would say before you start moving to to this in-house marketing role is to build a network before you need the job. Make sure that you connect with people who have influence, make sure that you help them out, make sure that you contact people that you that you like to learn from, uh, podcasters, YouTubers, marketing experts, build a network. Uh, do not do it uh, on your own because when it's time to find a job, once you have a network, it's much easier. Uh, so yeah, connect with people uh, and maybe start producing content as well, whatever format, because you do need to, to show some credibility. It's much easier to build a network once you create content yourself that people can, can consume rather than starting from nothing. So maybe there's a format that you enjoy. Maybe you like to do videos, well, do something on YouTube. Maybe you like, like me, you prefer audio, then do something uh, via podcast. Uh, maybe you like short video content on LinkedIn. Uh, you have quite a following, maybe start this way. Or maybe you're much better at writing, so write articles. It is a long-term thing. It's not going to produce results in the next two, three months, but it, this is an investment for your career. So that's what I would I, I would go about it. And finally, I would probably go about finding marketing courses uh, to show your expertise. Um, definitely the ALT MBA from Seth Godin is, is you know, foundational marketing stuff. Uh, you have the mini MBA by Mark Ritson as well, which is quite good, but it's more towards branding. You have a lot of niche courses that you can take on many different subjects, whatever you, you like to specialize in. Uh, so if you do those things, I think you are, you'll be in a good place. I'm going to struggle to say this name. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, but I think it's Thady, which is T-H-A-D-Y. And the question is, so I will be selfish here and say I'm someone who works for himself and struggles to find time to do marketing in my week. Which podcast have you done, which you could recommend to someone in my situation to listen back and get ideas for someone uh, in my specific situation? I loved the Seth Godin podcast and I want to focus on other podcasts that will give me that type of information. So that goes back to marketing foundations, right? So that goes back to what can you learn that are kind of the basis of marketing so that whenever, whatever you do, whenever you have time, 
what should you focus on? So I would say the episode with uh, Sean D'Souza on the brain audit, uh, the title of the episode is how to convince um, people uh, without being pushy. Uh, definitely a good one. The one-page marketing plan with Alan Deeb. It's also an interesting one. Uh, about copywriting, I would probably uh, refer you to Jonah Webb. But it's difficult for me to pinpoint episodes because there are so many that I'm very proud of. Uh, what I would recommend is, is to to identify the marketing foundations that you want to know to learn more of and, and, and find the episodes that matches that. Megan is asking, what are the key differences in marketing and messaging uh, strategies when targeting enterprise B2B versus B2C or small businesses? So this is the same thing that I mentioned in the past. I don't believe there are major differences. If anything, you need to understand how they talk, what they need. And that's the main thing B2B or B2C. So yes, maybe in B2B, in large organization, people tend to be maybe a bit more serious. They need a bit more guarantee. Well, if you understand them well, use their language, right? So in the messaging, uh, use the way they talk to find uh, what they're looking for. And yes, there might be differences, but you will know it this way. But regardless, you are selling to people. They are all people. And making too much of a big deal between, I don't know how to sell to enterprise B2B versus B2C, I, I think is going to be counterproductive. Focus on understanding them, how in how they work. So in B2B, you might have a bit more uh, gatekeepers to go through. But if you if you are able to to understand how they work, how they buy, uh, very much like you would do with B2C, you will know this information regardless. So once again, going back to the fundamental of research, understanding people is probably your best bet. Robin, I actually had a chat with him recently and his listener as well, and he was asking how to get started as a consultant. So. As I said before, I made this mistake. Um, I started as a consultant with very, very little network and experience and the credibility. And I really struggled to be paid. I really struggled to, to, to convince people that they should uh, use my services. And in fairness, I didn't really do a good job. You know, when I look back at the projects we had taken care of, yes, I'm proud of, of a lot of things we've done, but there are a lot of projects that we are not very proud of because I was simply lacking the expertise in, in, in what I was trying to sell. So what I would do if I had to do it again to get started as a consultant, especially as a junior consultant, especially if you have very, not a big network, not a lot of credibility, say to build credibility first. Um, so create content, connect with people, do something that will enable you to bring uh, credibility to your, to your life uh, and to your career connect with people who have much more credibility than you have and create content using their knowledge. Interview them, interview them via articles, do something, uh, put a guide together, do something that is just going to help you build credibility and keep at it for months until you start having people to reach out to you. So go niche, don't talk about marketing in general, maybe go about a specific angle about it, something very specific. And, and keep doing it. Because I think as a consultant, you need to be paid to think and not to do. And that's, a, that's, a, that's something that I've learned from Dave, uh, David Baker uh, on the, the episode, how to, how to get started with a marketing agency. Because uh, being paid to do is you have to, to build by hour. You have to find a 
you constantly have to execute on things. You constantly have to do what the client wants to do. And it's extremely difficult to convince them to do something else. So the execution of it is, is very difficult. What is easier to do is to be paid to think, to give them strategies that they execute. So the ideal scenario to get started as a consultant is you have enough credibility, enough network that people are begging you to work with you. And that's the difference, I think, between a successful consultant who will be able to, to be paid good money for what they do and someone who's starting like I used to uh, with no credibility and uh, not a lot of network. All right. So that's a long question from Gemma. Um, and she asked, I'm in the process of moving from an executive assistant to the marketing coordinator. So I'm desperate to learn real marketing. This role is something I've truly, I've never really truly enjoyed. I want to develop my career and the marketing human side of this crazy world. One thing that stood out to me in Margot's podcast is connecting with people and clearly how confident she is with that. So she said, to be honest, that scared me. I'm an introvert. So connecting with people at that level feels out of my league. Do you have any tips on that or perhaps a previous podcast that addresses that? So yeah, that's, a, that's an incredible, incredible question, uh, Gemma. Thanks for being so open about it. Um, so I've already replied to Gemma via video. I actually replied to her individually, but I thought that the answer would also be beneficial for others. So even if you're an introvert, you can pick a medium and f many formats that you're comfortable with. So email, chat, online communities are, are things that you can use where you don't have to show your face. You don't have to, to talk to people directly and you can still build a network. Um, so that's really what I would recommend. There's a lot of forums, Facebook groups. You can build a relationship online without ever showing your face or, or have to do that. So w one guest who actually does that is Nicole Elizabeth Demeray, uh, whom I interviewed on a podcast a few months ago. And she would be a, an introvert as well, but yet she's one of the most influential people in the software as a service um, world. And she's introvert. So she would use email. She would be on a lot of Slack communities and Facebook groups. So there is something for everyone, but definitely building connections is, is kind of marketing 101. So don't be afraid to do that. That would be my answer. Slavika is asking, my boss wants to keep all subscribers on the list and not wanting to remove them. How to convince my boss? So that's a question that Slavika asked me a few months ago, but I really, I really liked it. I really wanted to reply. So one question that I would have for, for your boss is, would they do this to their own mother? Would they, would they keep sending emails uh, to their own mother about something that she's clearly not interested in anymore? So that's kind of the, the, the question, you know, if, if you're not willing to do that to your own mom or to your friends, why are you willing to do that to your customers? And do you really think it's going to have an impact on your business? So why bother someone who doesn't really give a shit about what you do anymore? It's just it's just beyond what good marketing is, really. So there are two ways to go about it. You can do a test with the segment of people who are actually active and show that the results are, are much better than if you are emailing everyone. Uh, that's kind of the rational way of doing it and to show that, listen, why would you do that? People don't want to hear from you. There's no reason why we should keep contacting them. Let's clean the list. Let's, let's start uh, smaller with people who are much more uh, engaged. Uh, the second solution is actually a bit more uh, out there, but I would say maybe consider leaving the job if your boss thinks this way, because it means that they are probably not very honest 
uh, about their business and the way they do things. And from experience, I know it's incredibly difficult to change people's minds. Uh, it's much easier to move to move on. I know it's easier said than done, but this is what I would recommend as well. Lucas is asking, should copy reveal your true identity or should it attend to the customer's will? That's an interesting question, right? Because do you want to talk about like your language and, and the way you do things? Uh, or do you want to connect with people the way they talk and, and the way they do things? So I think it's about finding the intersection of the two, what you want and what they want, right? And the way you talk versus the way they talk. So I... Uh, as soon as you have a vision for your business, a, a proper set of values and the type of people you really want to attract, it gets easier. It's not about trying to attract everyone. It's about trying to attract people who believe in the same thing than you do um, and who wants something that you can offer. So I think Basecamp is doing that super well. They are able to use language that is very inclusive, yet they have a very strong point of view that reveal that true identity. So one doesn't go against the other. I think you can do both. And Basecamp is probably, Basecamp.com is probably one of the best examples. What is the best course to start a career in marketing? If I had to select one, I would say the Alt MBA from Seth Godin, by far, because it really lays the foundation of good marketing. And then final question, how to get a good one sentence about my business that everyone will understand? That's from Daniel. So I love this question because... I think there is a misunderstanding about this kind of one sentence, one value proposition that you must nail in order to really be able to, to convince people to buy from you. So first off, don't uh, come up with it on your own. Steal it from customers. Uh, look at online reviews, look at the way they talk about your business and, and use that as your, the core language. But this is the critical point. Don't expect it to be perfect. Don't expect it to be so self-explanatory that people don't ask you any questions anymore. You shouldn't aim with this sentence to be so perfect that people understand everything you do and everything you stand for. What you should expect for, from one sentence is, is curiosity. What you want people to ask when you do a one-liner about your business is, oh yeah, tell me more. What do you mean? This is what you want. You want curiosity. So your headline shouldn't contain everything about your business. Your headline should be there to excite people's curiosity so they move on to the second section and then they move on to the next one and then they move on to the next one. And I think this is the biggest misunderstanding. This is why people get tripped up with this one sentence. It's not about this one sentence. It's about the full flow. For example, for everyone who hates marketers, the shortest way I can explain what I do with this podcast is saying, I fight marketing bullshit. And then people will ask me, oh, okay, that's funny. What do you mean? Well, I have a podcast where I interview marketers, blah, blah, blah. So you can see that you don't, you don't have to be super clever about it. What you want is curiosity. You want people to ask you, what do you mean? You want people to be curious. So I think that's it for the questions. Those, those episodes are, are, are shorter than the usual because, one, it's actually quite tough to go through that many questions. Uh, my voice is... It's actually yeah hard on my uh, on my vocal cords uh, quite a bit. I've, be, uh, I've been drinking a lot of water to prepare for that, but also because I think for such an intense uh, episode, 20, 25 minutes was more than enough. So next week we are going back to the normal routine of uh, interviews. I'm really looking forward to those. I'm not going anywhere. This podcast is not going anywhere. And the last thing I would say is thank you from the bottom of my heart to to listen uh, to this episode every week to 
to subscribe to the newsletter, to send me that many emails uh, saying that um, that you really enjoyed the episode or send me feedback because uh, it's not always positive, but I always read those emails and I always uh, reply to those emails. So you can head over to everyoneheadsmarketers.com and sign up to the newsletter if you haven't done so. And once again, thank you very much uh, for spending the time on this podcast. Take care. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email lists uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five star review it means that more people would be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.